you've got a friend in us. This is episode 52, Sully, from 2016. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And Mike, to, again, I don't know if it's the right word, to celebrate the occasion of Hanks playing another real man, Captain Chesley, Sully, Sullenberger, in this movie. With us to talk about this movie tonight, we have Jeremy Kelly. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, how's it going? Good. Thank you for joining us. I think I'm looking ahead to the schedule. The next two movies are Inferno and The Circle, and I'm already shaking in my boots. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> is that circle, the Inferno, is that sounds like the circle of hell? Oh, yeah, is maybe. That... <laughs> maybe. Very possible. I like that the post comes after. It's like, this is the debrief. Like, the post after, like, post <laughs> as an after, we're in free and clear, kind of, the post Toy Story and Beautiful Day. But, yeah, this is our last bastion of, like, normality, kind of, until, oh boy, two more movies. We're going to get to it, but we we're still one episode away from those. So let's not talk anymore about those. But Mike, if people, I guess, weren't alive this decade, if people don't know what Sully is about, please hit them with a plot summary. So as you mentioned, Tom Hanks is Captain Chesley Sully Sullenberger. On January 15th, 2009, he made a water landing in New York's Hudson River. He was playing flight 1549. It struck a flock of geese. He lost both engines. He could not make it to any airports. So his instincts and everything just said, aim for the river. Uh, He made a safe, controlled landing. He saved all 155 passengers and crew aboard that day. This movie sort of takes him through the following week or so of his instant celebrity, his sort of media whirlwind, uh, his recollection and dealing with the post-traumatic stress of the incident. We see the incident from from at least three different angles throughout the movie. We also see him sort of being investigated at the time um, to see, you know, if anything was his fault. There is sort of a trial where they go over the simulations of the flight to see whether he could have indeed made it back to an airport, but he pleads his case that the value of human error was not integrated into these equations of the simulations. Anyway, at the end, he is right. They could not make it back to either airport. Landing in the Hudson was the safest call, and he is indeed celebrated as a hero to this day. My big takeaway from this, I saw this in theaters, I'm rewatching it again, but my big takeaway as it pertains specifically to you and me, Mike, is that I think, unless I'm missing something, but I went through kind of carefully, not as carefully as maybe I should ever could have, I think across all 1700 something podcasts on the network this is our first clint eastwood movie in any regard which seems almost impossible but also kind of makes sense that's kind of amazing like either starring in or directing that we have not reviewed clint eastwood yet i think maybe the monkey club guys had him on the schedule at one point well i searched on our site for eastwood i looked because he's directed like 40 movies i think he's been in like over 100 or something like there's a lot of ground that we could have covered and there's a lot of things that feel like adjacent but he means he never like and not just us but yeah like monkey club like high school slumber part not that i don't think he's making a lot of high school movies let's be real but like foodie films or hoffman or like anything like it feels like that we've done so many and not all 1700 are movies but like say 1500 of those are movies like it's mind-boggling to me that we were so long until we got like a crossover so long until we got like a spielberg whatever this that whatever but like to never have a clint eastwood movie if the guys if you're naming like the 10 most famous american like actor he's an icon like, i mean like he's gone off the deep end now like his looney tunes now but like he still makes great movies it's just wow like, I, how is this possible? I'm not going to hold him talking to a chair against him. You know how I feel about, like, separating the art from the artist and everything like that. But you're right. He is part of, like, the the last of this sort of old guard out there, as they call it, right? Like, he's been around fucking forever, man. The guy yeah. just, like, won't go away. Yeah. And, and to be quite honest, like, I'm not exactly a huge fan. Like, I like his Western stuff. Unforgiven's incredible. But I don't really... 
I really love his later years of directing and things like Gran Torino and uh, The Mule and things. Uh, but this one I really do like. And so uh, it was interesting to come back watching this movie, Eastwood in Mind, all the things combined. And uh, I really had a good time. I mean, he does kind of just double down on the like American patriotism and like his specific brand of American patriotism of just kind of like old man, like I can't believe the world is like this anymore. And just like, it's like all these things that like, even in this movie that I really like this movie, I'm just like, we don't need that. But I get that's just what he's going to deliver. I like the mule a lot. I did not love, like I like parts of American Sniper, whatever. Like I think overall I liked a lot of it, but like he's definitely got a shtick that he's doing and it's just his version of an American patriotism. Like it's just what he does. And I'm surprised given how I feel about things and how he very clearly feels about things that I like as much of his recent stuff as I do. Like it feels like I shouldn't. It feels like, oh no, like that's not for me. I also do want to say unrelated to this, but John Brooks, now host of the Hard to Believe podcast, my first podcasting co-host way back in the day on Sports for Starters, I forgot how much he absolutely hates Trouble with the Curve. And then that came up recently, and I, I was like, oh, right, no, we had like an entire episode where John just like shit on that movie. Um, so not all Clint Eastwood is infallible, but not that that was up for debate anyway, but like Trouble with the Curve, not great. Isn't that the movie where he spends a whole scene just trying to pee? Probably. I remember it's like the love of his daughter or something that like helps him. You just got to believe that you can hit the curve. I don't remember. I think it's Justin Timberlake. But Jeremy, please let us know why you signed up for this movie. If you have seen this before, why you like this movie or didn't like this movie, how you feel about it, and if you have a favorite part of Sully. I did see this in the theater, and I actually have been a fan of most of Clint Eastwood's later directorial work, like Million Dollar Baby is uh, one of my all-time favorite movies, and Jersey Boys is one that, like, I actually saw the uh, stage show when it was on Broadway, partly because his effort here with the Sully, it took place fairly close by to where we uh, went to college, so I remember it being in the uh, news when it first happened. As far as what I would say my favorite scene, probably just when he's having his initial flashbacks to uh, trying to land the uh, plane and you know hearing him say over the uh, intercom to the passengers this is the captain brace for impact the top of the list phrase that you'd never want to hear when you're flying on a plane where in the like ranking or the recent like I, I don't know if you've seen all these movies but like as we sort of talked about earlier in the he plays captain phillips he plays walt disney like it just seems like when you need to portray an icon a legend a hero whatever you cast tom hanks where do you think that this performance falls for you is it one of his better ones in that regard is it just an okay one how does this compare do you think to other movies like that that tom hanks seems to be like in that kind of group like mr rogers we got coming up how does this compare for you personally it's fairly solid like i think the actual performance i think i prefer his turn in uh, captain phillips like i thought there was more to it than that in this one he's like he's what you expect. He's very subdued. And I mean, it's like you were saying before, a classic old time American hero. And Mike, what about you? You saw this in theaters. You saw it again for this podcast. what do you think of the movie? Did you like it? Do you like it more or less the second time around? And how do you think it compares and favorite moment? Everything Jeremy just said, you go too. Sure. Yeah. So th this is only the second time I've ever seen this movie. I like it a lot. Like I love Hanks in this movie. I think this is one of those instances where he kind of disappears in the role like I was saying about one of his last two real life performances is that like he's not really like doing any kind of mannerisms or things with his voice you know he's not really like changing himself I feel like he transforms a bit with this role with Sully like he doesn't seem like Tom Hanks at all to me it seems like he's really embodying that character I love Aaron Eckhart I love the mustaches 
I was going to say uh, his mustache deserved its own uh, Academy Award. <laughs> they just have such good chemistry in this movie. I've heard about Eastwood, the way he directs is that he really is only doing one or two takes and then he's moving on. And when I had that in mind watching it this time, I was like, this movie is kind of almost like a masterpiece in the way that it just like is one of the most perfect reenactment uh, tellings I think you've ever seen. I don't mean for this to sound like a slight or anything, but like if, if these weren't high profile, you know, Hollywood movie people making this movie, this would be on like Lifetime or something. You know what I'm saying? Like it just seems like perfect for that sort of consumption in a lot of ways. And I wasn't expecting that. I was kind of expecting this to sort of get into more difficulty in a lot of ways. And I kind of love how it's just procedural and like by the book and step by step. We get a bit into how Sully is kind of in shock and his nightmares and things, but Eastwood doesn't take it too far. He grounds this pretty solidly in realism and he really just wants it to be sort of like a public record is almost how it feels and I and I really appreciated that that they didn't try and go too far into who Sully the man is and let like his actions speak for itself right they didn't really try and do anything more than that and so um you know aside from like a specific favorite moment I don't know maybe Michael Rappaport showing up as like the epitome of New York at the time of just like this overhyped congratulatory spirit of you know, well-being and everything. Um, that's kind of a nice moment. But yeah, just overall, I had like a really good watch of this. So is there a particular thing in there that you would say is your favorite part or is it just kind of the embodiment or just the way it all gels together? Well, to be honest, I think I really like the way he split up the incident into three different perspectives. I thought that was smart. Otherwise, it would have been very overwhelming. Um, the opening credits are great red herring. Like you think he's going to start the movie with the crash and it turns out to be a nightmare. And so I was glad it just didn't sort of stop halfway through. And then we get like the crash for 30 minutes. Uh, it was really smart of him to sort of lace it in um, like kind of like a flashback or something. So I think that was a really good stroke. Like there comes a point in the movie where you're like, oh, we might never see the crash, which I think would be like such a bold and kind of like baller move to do. Be like, hey, you remember that movie about Sully, the guy who crashed the plane, who land, sorry, landed the plane on the Hudson? Yeah, they don't show the crash in the movie. It's like, wait, what? How, how do you not? But like, you're right. When you start you think you're starting there and then you realize it's after the fact and it's kind of like riddled PTSD and like, oh, we might never, when I saw this in theaters, I was like, we might never see the crash. I was like, that would be amazing if that happened. Yeah, I don't disagree. It never really crossed my mind. I forgot uh, sitting down that we're going to get it sort of three times uh, and get the whole picture out of that. So I, at least like what I did like is that since he showed it, it, it seemed to be just very respectful. Like, I don't know how you could be disrespectful about it. I guess he could have embellished it and have him clip the George Washington Bridge or you know what I'm saying or something like but like there's none of that going down like I you know I feel like he's just trying to be like it's just it feels like almost like World Trade Center Joey when we were watching that where it's like it just seems like he got a transcript and he just wanted to tell the story as clean and clear as possible. I didn't really think about this while watching but hearing you talk about it hearing you describe it kind of reminds me of the Peter Berg Mark Wahlberg movies where it's like he's not really like they're kind of combining things like where Patriot's Day isn't really one guy he's playing it's like three or four like deep horizon might kind of be like a composite of different people right and it's like there's the two kinds of like american patriotism what clint eastwood is doing where it's just like there's a scene like there's chris kyle american sniper there's sully right it's like these guys who like have a story that you can tell there is richard jewell who has the story you can tell right and then there's the one that peter berg is doing it's like well let's just make an action movie with mark Wahlberg, but like tread on the reputation of a, of a tragedy i think they're good movies like they're kind of two sides of the same coin but like 
also wildly different. Yeah, and didn't Eastwood do the Paris one with the actual people who like lived through it, the Paris train event, if I'm not mistaken? Was that Eastwood? The 1517 to Paris. Yeah, that was, that was him, yeah. Yeah, so like even when he does tackle that stuff, he's like, let's make it authentic. You know, he's like, no no Hollywood bullshit, it seems, when it comes down to him. Yeah, he's always very meticulous. Was there something in particular that I want to say? Like, I love the structure of this movie. I love that it bounces back and forth. Like, I like thinking that we might never actually get the plane crash. I like, I mean, you said Michael Rappaport shows up. I like when he shows up. Like, Michael Malley, I think, is like a kind of a, I don't know if he's like a huge acting range, but I think like as that like needling investigator, I think he's great in this. And a gun, like we've talked recently in a couple movies. What was the movie? Oh, Bridge of Spies, where it's like, well, why are you going to cast the, like, it just, it feels like, why do you cast Anna Gunn, who can so clearly hold her own as Skylar White, but like at the end, you kind of like, she gets that moment in court, you're like, okay, that's why you cast an actress who can like, who can convey that, right? Like, I think that the way that he's filling in the gaps, like the ensemble here, in a way, he's like, it's, it's Sully, but it's kind of, he even deflects, he's like, you know, it's not everyone's story, it's like, or it's, it's not my story, it's everyone's story, it's like, it wasn't me who landed the plane, like, I'm not the X Factor, it's me and it's Aaron Heckard, it's like all the flight attendants who like, helped make sure everybody was calm, and like, everyone on the plane who got off, right? It's just like everyone's story. And I feel like with the title being Sully, it's kind of about, in a way, like New York is the fifth character, right? Like it's about all of them. Like it's about the plane. <laughs> yeah, I remember that there's a point during the uh, credits where it shows the uh, actual people and it shows a Sully talking to them and basically saying, we are all going to be joined by this event forever. Yeah, this shared experience. Yeah, and Joe, you know what else that I was thinking of too? This fixed my Captain Phillips problem with the wife character. Like, she keeps coming back throughout the entire movie on the phone, right? And yeah, yeah. And you get more layers to their actual relationship. And by, you know, throughout it, you realize they're having problems and troubles and they're not perfect. And it is a real sort of a real life representation. Yeah. And so that, that was greatly appreciated. And one thing that was really cool about that was that apparently they never share screen time together. You know, Laura Linney, P.S. I love Hoffman, favorite Laura Linney, and Tom Hanks never share the screen, but they were, I I guess, I don't know this is common, I don't think this is common, they were actually talking to each other on the phone. So, like, instead of, like, being off screen or whatever, like, they were actually hearing each other on the phone, which, like, in my head as, like, I get that, like, actors don't necessarily want to do that, but it feels like such an easy thing, like, when you're on a phone, instead of, like, faking a phone call, just actually have a phone call. It feels real because it is real, right? Like, it, it I think you you can tell that even if you don't know that i think you can tell that yeah that's cool i, I love to hear that because then you know that he's not just reciting lines to like a stand-in or, or, or someone off screen right that they're actually like connected somehow while they're doing it even if they're not on screen i also do want to give a shout out to two more not character actors that's the wrong word but holt mcelany Mac, Mac, i don't know how to pronounce his last name but he is tench in mindhunter which we talked about on some other thing recently. I think he was in another movie. He's also like in Justice League and stuff like that. He plays the president of the U.S. Airline Pilots Association. He's like with Sully at like that first meeting. Oh, okay. He's the he's the thief that Batman captures at the beginning of Justice League. And he's, he like perfect. overhears his conversation with Alfred. <laughs> okay, perfect. And then we've also got Frank Sabatka from The Wire on his team too. Like he's the balding guy. He's the one that he calls in the middle of the night like, hey, I need you to do this favor from France. Oh, and here's one more. We got uh, Sam. Sam Huntington, who played Jimmy Olsen in Superman Returns. That's right. On the plane. He's on the plane. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So we got a lot of, uh, you know, we got the DCEU, the extended, extended universe. Is this a Warner Brothers movie? I wouldn't be surprised. They're all sort of like under contract. Oh, it is. No, it definitely is. Absolutely is. Because that was actually one of the first things I wrote down. Because like when the Warner Brothers logo comes up, like within a second, I think, of the movie starting, you're hearing Hanks' voice. It's like, oh no, we're in it already. And like, we soon find out it's a dream, right? But there's no time to breathe. Like you think you go to a movie that's like celebrating the 
hero, the guy who landed on the Hudson, right? The miracle on the Hudson. And you're starting the movie with like a plane crash. It's like, oh God. And even they even reference it, obviously, like, you know, it's been a long time since New York's had a good story about a plane, especially. But you're in that like PTSD, like, oh, I don't even have time to like ease into it, right? Like we were talking about like with Captain Phillips, like that weird scene where it's like him and his wife in the beginning, like, why are we not on the boat? Like here, we're like, and it's like, oh no, this, maybe that's why we have that scene because it's like, oh no, I need to like, I need to ease into things. I also do want to, while we're comparing it to Captain Phillips, there is, again, he is getting medical attention. It's not as dramatic, as empowering of a scene as it was in Captain Phillips, but it's still a very good one. He's asking, that's when he finds out that, like, everyone on board is accounted for, that nobody died, that nobody is, you know, seriously injured or whatever, right? Yeah, they do his uh, his heart rate. I wrote that down, too. I was like, 110's not quite ad astra, but it's not bad. No. But his resting heart rate was 55, so that was pretty close. I also like, I mean, unrelated to that, but they're like, how long ago did you have your last drink? He's like, nine days. It's like, do people know that? Like, do people know when their last drink was? I, I guess he might have been answering it a lot, but he's definitely cool, calm, and collected. No, on the flip side of the coin, Jeremy, is there something about this movie that you didn't like, something that you would remove or change or alter or just rubbed you the wrong way, your least favorite part of the movie Sully? I would say probably the kind of stereotypically like a needling portrayal of the NTSB, which I read was controversial in their portrayal. Like, they were more supportive of uh, Sully than what we see in the movie. You should think that they just did it for like narrative tension in the movie? Yeah. Did it bother you that it was changed at all or do you think it was just changed or like did it just the way that they changed it like how they changed it didn't work for you? I thought this is just kind of a trope that always kind of bothers me that the authority figures who don't listen and are all about machinery and like pinch point execution over human factor. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's tough because the movie needs a villain, or does it? Like, it does because it's a movie, you know? And, like, I don't need it to have bad guys in it. But where would you get it? Where would you get that sort of resistance from, or that tension, or that drama? Like, where would it come from if the whole movie uh, is just people naming drinks after him and kissing him on the cheek and shaking his hand and patting him on his back? Would the audience at a moment start to question that? And, you know, so I think that, it, you know, whether or not they were that sort of severe with him. I sort of understand why they needed to find someone to portray as more of like the a villainous presence. And I think that that just might have got caught in the crossfire. I'd be like, well, these are the people investigating them. And so there is probably an easy, they're the easiest target to kind of conform into the bad guy role for this particular uh, story, the way they're telling it. And I did not know. I thought that they were just at the time, really drilling them and railing them because they just wanted to nail them because they're just insurance people and that's just all they cared about. I just feel like they could have had some characters be more understanding, more along the lines of, you know, let's hear what he has to say. Let's keep room for doubt. And or maybe have it be more about Sully's inner turmoil. Like, did I do enough? That's one concept that has always been very profound for me personally. Like, you do as much as you can, but you're always kind of questioning yourself. Did I do enough? Did I do the right thing? And, you know, you're yearning for that vindication from someone else. Yeah. Now, Mike, is that something that is your least favorite part, too? Like, what you were, how you were responding? Is there something else about this movie that kind of rubs you the wrong way? Well, it sort of, like, expands on that. That's that's sort of a kernel of it. Like, what I would have liked to have seen is to maybe follow one of those characters into the bar where Michael Rappaport works and, and seen the effect that Sully sort of has had on the city and everything else, you know? And uh, that sort of goes into, like, I wish that 
we spent maybe more or less time with the passengers of the actual flight. We're going to just see like two or three of them and they're going to kind of generally represent the attitude of everybody on board and, and all that. And I don't know, I don't feel like I needed to get more personal with the actual passengers. I think it was interesting just to keep it from Sully's perspective because he didn't get to know those passengers until after the flight or anything. And so it was just a little strange for me uh, both times watching this movie where it's like, okay, suddenly we're racing to the gate and we're finding our seats and I've got a baby on board and, you know, and it's okay. Like it's, it doesn't ruin the movie or anything like that, but I just feel like there was a spot for an improvement and maybe do the trick that you mentioned, like Joey, imagine if we don't see the crash, well, well, let's just not even bother to meet these passengers. Let's just say they're everybody. They're us. Yeah. Like, let's just imprint ourselves on one or two of these people, you know, without being asked to. Ultimately, like, that's kind of it. I just feel like it could have... It's it's the kind of movie that had the opportunity to take one of these side characters and just follow them for an extra, like, minute. And you would really kind of get, I feel like, a lot out of something like that. Um, or on the other side of that, just, like, not at all. <laughs> Still achieve a great effect. Yeah, like, it's weird in the grand scheme about how like we're all connected this is all one this happened to all of us and then to like 50 minutes in the movie be like oh wait we're seeing the passengers now like it is i agree completely like either weave someone throughout or don't just show us the person like in two scenes again like what you said like like either cut it out or just add another like what you probably like two or three scenes like, you don't need a ton more right like you just need a little bit more yeah and Clint Eastwood gets a lot of cross in a little time. Like, he, he is one of those guys that, like, knows the craft inside and out. You could definitely have had a scene of the guys, you know, who are going to go golfing, right? Like, planning their trip or whatever, and it all kind of, like, lacing together and stuff. So they would have been good ones to sort of track throughout more of the movie. And they were very, um, like, they were good characters. There was nothing wrong with them. They could have had more screen time. But I don't know, like, I don't know that I have anything else. Like, my least favorite part, I think, what you guys both covered, I think. This is not my favorite Hanks movie in a while, but I think that there's, A, it's shorter and there's I think if I had to pick a least favorite moment that has not been said already I think it's what I was mentioning before about like just the specific kind of like way that Clint Eastwood views the world that kind of bleeds into characters that feels like otherwise wouldn't sort of espouse those views it's like oh like what are you doing okay okay sure yeah whatever um but like I think narratively like it is a tightly wound movie I think that everyone is kind of at the top of their game like a guy like Clint Eastwood is able to get all these actors to play these parts and like all work effectively well like work really well together yeah, I also love that, like, you know, this is a couple movies in a row, I think, that we've had, like, shorter run times. Like, this feels like it's a refreshing change of pace. Like, we got Ithaca that was short, and we got Hologram for the King that was short, and we got this that was short. It's like, come on, man, like, what are you... And now, I mean, you know, now Inferno's... Actually, Inferno's the shortest of the trilogy, though. I think Inferno's, like, just barely over two hours, so, you know, I guess he's listening to us, maybe? I don't know. It helps. I'll just say that much. Like, I don't mind long movies until I've, like, until that's, like, all you watch for, like, three weeks, right? And then it's like, oh, I really appreciate it when you can just you know, hit me with 90 minutes and get out of there. A couple of things I want to point out before we go to uh, trivia and some games. So Hanks is doing a lot of running in this movie with Aaron Eckhart and both alone in New York. And then he also runs through like what looks like a depopulated, like there's certain shots where it's just like him in a cross section. There's no one around, which reminded me of the beginning of Vanilla Sky. And I was like, is he Tom Cruise? Like, I don't know that Tom Cruise would play Sully. I think he could. But then like the next scene is like, he's like a fighter pilot. Like as a young, I was like, what? Like he is t- like, this is Tom Cruise. <laughs> 
that was great. Too. I wish we had maybe one or two more flashbacks because the young pilot Sully and we just that's this you know we, we were mentioning the other uh, hologram for a king how we got an actor playing young Hanks and here we have it again and and we see some of the history of Sully flying and how he's so cool and calm and collected and stuff and I couldn't believe he was like a fighter pilot too yeah, man. and shit and that was crazy so those uh, flashbacks didn't really add anything for me it just showed oh he used to be a fighter pilot yeah. I guess just I guess that's again just that you know we all contain multitudes or something. I like that Jerry Ferrara shows up for a minute, like you know talking about Turtle. If we're talking about a uh, YouTube podcast, talking about Turtle, like Turtle from Entourage is in like one or two oh, scenes. Oh yeah. Have either of you heard of or seen? And I'm assuming no because I don't know how I heard about it. A movie called Charlie Victor Romeo. No. It, it sounds like a title I I've heard at some point, but I couldn't tell you what it's about. So you might specifically know this, because I know you do a lot of work in the theater world. It's a documentary, it's a theatrical documentary, that is entirely from black box transcripts of six real-life major airline emergencies. I think they're all crashes, Hmm. but it's basically, imagine a stage with no backdrop, it's just like two chairs, and it's just the two people pretending, like basically reading, like reenacting the transcript, but like of plane crashes and it's them like it's not wow. visually interesting at all i don't know what it is like it doesn't work really as a movie i don't think i did not like it but it reminded me like there's like the reenactments in this and like they're they're doing the simulations and they're getting the pilots or whatever and like it's kind of like that but what's it called again it's called charlie victor romeo past guest of the show austin will southern gave it a one half star uh-huh. um, <laughs> and then david ehrlich you know my favorite film critic starts his review which gave three and a half stars he just says oof just so far as it plays into my personal theories this is about as harrowing as it gets uh but yeah like it's like six like plane crashes they recovered like it's it's crazy oh yeah so like uh this is definitely like one of my worst fears yeah uh, just like plane crash like i i actually <laughs> used to have like a lot of trouble getting on a plane up until uh recently for a stretch there i just would not fly so like watching this was a little cathartic you know? yeah I mean, don't watch this. Like, do not watch Charlie Victor Romeo. I can tell you that much. It must have, like, I don't know where I heard it from, like, it, or heard about it from, because I think this was before, I think it probably predates my David Ehrlich obsession, so it might have been, like, a South By film. Because, like, it sounds interesting, right? Like, it sounds, like, compelling, and then I watch it, I'm like, oh, boy, like, ooh, oh, boy. Is there anything else? There are two, for the first time in a while, there are, like, Hank's quotes that I really found memorable when they're, when they're grilling him early on, and he's just like, oh, I eyeballed it. And I was like, that's such a cool, badass, whether or not he actually said it or not, like, I think that's kind of cool. But then at the mm-hmm. end, when they're in the courtroom and, you know, he says, can we get serious now? I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's Tom Hanks. Like, you know, whether that's Sully or Tom Hanks, that's Sully or just Tom Hanks. Like, oh, no, like, he's speaking now. Like, we're going to listen to him. I love, this might be one of my favorite endings to a movie. Like, it just ends on the perfect button. That <laughs> joke with Aaron Eckhart's delivery and everything is just so great. It's almost like you watch Wait, the is the last movie. line, I would have done it in July? Is that the last line? Yeah. Yeah. yeah if you would have okay. done anything differently, what? would it be and he's like i would have done it in july because you know it's so cold that it did it uh, but like yeah like the relief that that must uh, that you just leave the theater with after watching this movie from that is just you know indescribable yeah so some trivia about this sully was on site at the studios on set at the studio he supported the movie and helped it reflect reality there are a lot of cameos in this movie like the guy who was the ferry driver who helped save the people was the ferry driver in this and that's the thing that like clint eastwood has been doing a lot like i think 1517 to paris was like all those guys who like did it were like in the movie like it's a weird blend like he's just like oh realism or whatever right so 
Hanks spent half a day with Sully at his Bay Area house, and Sully said he was impressed by how well Hanks caught him. But it's like, yeah, but he's Tom Hanks. Like, I mean, are you really surprised? <laughs> <laughs> he's like um, a mimic. It's like his mutant powers. Like, I just need half a day. Yeah. Uh, the only like directorial thing that I thought was interesting that I saw in the trivia was that the scene where they're actually unloading or disembarking or whatever, getting the people out of the plane, that was all done without rehearsal because they wanted the kind of the chaos of just like, okay, 200 extras, just like figure this out. And so like what Hanks and Eckhart did, like that was all improvised too. Just like, all right, you guys are in charge of the plane, get everybody out. And so what they did, like it, it feels authentic. And I think that's kind of why, it, like I can see that really wildly not working, but I think it works well here. I love the moment where the guy starts swimming for sure and then like realizes he's not going to make it and so he starts swimming <laughs> back to the plane i'm like yeah someone would probably just panic and do that you know yeah. just yeah. like and then realize oh wait shore is too far away and it's too cold yeah and the final thing is that we have not we have not talked about how Tom Hanks has like stark white hair. Like this is like Leland Palmer the day after. Like <laughs> it's just like oh no he is it's white. And apparently Hanks said that whitening his hair was surprisingly difficult for the makeup department. So I don't know why, but yeah. So as someone who just had to peroxide the shit out of their hair to color it, it took like a good two hours. And yeah, I had to use a lot of product to get my dark hair basically platinum before I put the dye in. So. Yeah, you know, I guess uh, shout out to him because it looks great. I mean, it looks Sully-ish, right? So they did a good job. I wondered too if they, if they, they must have had to do his mustache too, which would have been a really weird sensation yeah. to have like that stuff right above your mouth like that. I just want to chime in real quick a line that I really like. It's, it's a very cliche line, but it's one I always enjoy hearing when Sully says, everything is unprecedented until it happens for the first time. Yeah. Oh, right. That is a good line. Now, we mentioned it before. We mentioned his name before. Tom Cruise. We talked about how Hanks runs in this. He's a fighter pilot. But do you think, we'll start with you, Jeremy, do you think Tom Cruise could have played the role of Tom Hanks? Or if not, is there another role in this movie he could have played? I have one in mind I think is kind of easy or apparent or obvious. But, Jeremy, what do you think? Do you think he could have played Sully? Or if not, who could he have played in the movie? He wouldn't have played Sully. He looks far too young to play uh, Sully. But uh, he probably would have played Aaron Eckhart's part, Jeff Skiles. Yep, I think so too. Mike, what about you? Do you think it's the Sully part, the Eckhart part, or someone else? Well, even though he did go gray-haired for Vincent in Collateral, mm-hmm. I don't think he could necessarily pull off the mustache. But I'd like to see him... I mean, he could definitely do the Aaron Eckhart role, for sure. But I want to see him be like the head of the investigating team. Mm, okay. That would be interesting to see him sort of be play the bad guy. He'd be just like, I'm just doing my job, you know? Like, I'm just doing... Dying to, Dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Like, we just want to make sure everything's this. This, the Like, I could see him doing that really well in this movie. Like, put him in the uh, Michael O'Malley role, you think? Yeah. I have a uh, real slam dunk place we could have put him. And I it takes somebody you loved out of this movie, Mike. But have him flipping bottles like he's Brian and Cocktail. <laughs> just have him in that oh bar. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Great call. Great call. So now, Jeremy, I don't remember the last time that you were on. I don't remember how we were asking the question, but we have since stopped asking, is Tom Hanks on the road to becoming America's dad? We're just like, he firmly is America's dad. So in this movie, is he America's dad or does he do something to dissuade us of that notion? I think that like, if you save that many souls, if you're like just empathetic, like I I don't know how this movie, like Clint Eastwood does not make this movie if he's not like a good dad, basically, right? Like this is, I think, maybe the easiest slam dunk yes that we have. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's certainly the dad to 155 souls on this plane, or at least New York City. Birds. All right, the Woody's, the Tom Hanks Awards, the best and the worst of Tom Hanks' filmography. 
best film or worst film? I think this is very good, but I think compared to, you know, as, as much as I've not liked a lot of Hanks' filmography, it is, on retrospect, pretty stacked. Do you think this compares to some of his best movies? Should we nominate this for best film? This might sound weird, but I don't feel like this is trying to be the best movie ever, you know? Okay. Like, I feel I feel like it's a movie that, like, knows it doesn't need to be extraordinary. Like, it, like just telling the story the way it is is kind of amazing. I just feel like a lesser director would have made it way more into like an action thing and less of like sort of this courtroom kind of stuff you know that we get or at least like the media blitz kind of stuff I think like it was smart focusing more on that kind of thing Jeremy what about you does this compare or is this sort of like a it's just it is what it is and it's not necessarily aiming for greatness kind of like what you said this isn't trying to be like a, a grand epic but it's just very solid at what it's trying to be basically yeah. Best Hank's role. Is Sully one of his best roles? I feel like he kind of recedes to the background a little bit in a weird way, right? I think that's one of the strengths of the film is that yeah. he's not really, even though he's Sully, uh, he's not like puffing his chest out, right? Like it's not really the Sully only movie. So now do we think in that regard, as he falls to the background, should we nominate this for best ensemble or best non-Hank's actor, male or female? Does either the cast as a whole step up or is there anybody in particular in this movie i don't i don't know that i i don't know that i think yes but like i think laura linney's great but again i don't know if she's in it enough like she's not really like a co-star she's just like a supporting part right so thoughts on ensemble or best non-hanks actor i say nominate aaron eckhart's mustache Okay. <laughs> I mean, Aaron Eckhart is pretty great in this one. It's weird about the ensemble because, like we were saying, like all the parts, you know, make it a greater sum and sort of like everyone playing off Hanks is great. But I'm sort of still like, I haven't decided in my own mind what it means to be a great ensemble yet, really, I guess, because like none of the secondary characters really interact with each other without Hanks around or even at all. Like, so my brain can't really siphon it out. We have like a dozen nominees there and i'm looking if we're going to call this down to like say five like we've got like a league of their own we're going to have like bosom buddies in there we're going to have like toy story in there like it feels you know the burbs saving private ryan we're just like even with i think it's like without a lot of screen time we have like a clear sense of like who each of these characters are their quirks their eccentricities like what they add to the greater whole and i think that what we've been saying all episode that like everybody here is great but i don't know that like they all just kind of serve the story of like hey that was a good thing that that guy did that one time, right? Like, that's kind of, not like in a condescending way, it's just like, yeah, that guy did that thing. Yeah. Best fight, best dance scene, best party scene. Don't think any of those happen. Best Hank's outfit wardrobe. Do we want to say his wings? Probably not, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> best death, he does not die. Best line or best freakout? Do we want to do the unprecedented line? Do we want to do let's get serious? Or is it, it neither of those going to really hold the test of time? Well, I like the one Jeremy brought up, if I'm be quite honest. Like, that is, that's pretty strong. Jeremy, can you repeat that quote for me, please? Everything is unprecedented until it happens the first time. Cool. All right. I'll nominate that here. What else do we have here? Best music? No, right? Best or worst love story? No. I think, you know, for as good a movie as this is overall, as effective and whatever as it is, just the one line, everything is unprecedented until it happens for the first time. So. Okay. That's cool. Uh, there was one other thing I wanted to mention, and just because, like, there's this video making the rounds of Jay Leno in movies talking about the main characters on TV. I don't know if you guys have seen this supercut, but. In this one, we get them on The Letterman Show. 
Oh, there was yeah. trivia about this, which was kind of interesting. <laughs> so sorry, not Jay Leno, not going to make your supercut of YouTube videos or whatever, but like, I thought it was cool how we at least get him on Letterman before he retired. So weirdly, and maybe not weirdly, is that that was a composite. So like between, I guess, the time that the show came out or whatever, that like, it was, they were kind of superimposed into the shot, as far as I could understand. I might be getting this wildly wrong, but as far as I know, that's that's the case. Interesting. So, yeah. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today and for the entire run of Tom Tom Club. I think that is a series wrap for you. So I appreciate yep. you joining us today and for all the uh, the movies that you've joined us for on both Hanks and Cruise. Happy to be here. Anything that you want to direct people to plugs-wise? Anything that you're doing online or anything like that? Or if not, that's cool too. I'm doing a, a couple of small podcast of my own. I uh, did a, a podcast of the uh, Halloween series with my uh, friend John. I'll be coming out with one of the uh, Harry Potter series in sometime. I'm not sure when exactly. Cool. We'll keep an eye out for that. That's very cool. And Mike, any other thoughts? Any other last thoughts before we officially... Well, I, no, I, I looked ahead. I'm too far ahead. We're not officially getting in the circle yet. We are wrapping up the Langdon trilogy with Inferno. But any other thoughts about Sully before we get there? No, I'm ready for my Dante-esque journey into hell over the next two movies between Inferno and Circle. It's very foreboding. I've been looking forward to Circle for so long, but now I'm starting to have that like fear. It's like the day... I know I have my appointment for my tattoo today, but I still get like those quakes and like the nerves still kind of hit you, but you're still going to go to the appointment. That's how I'm starting to feel about the circle. I mean, I feel like you've built it up in your head and I've built it up in your head unintentionally so, but yeah, in two episodes, two weeks, we're going to be getting to the circle. It is something to behold. But between now and then, we got to solve another crime, I guess? I don't know. What's Inferno about? Probably the same. It's probably the same movie, right? Just shorter? I don't know. I don't know. I hope it's just not too much. Craziness. Oh, boy. But for all things, hangs to the memories. You can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, hanks at cageclub.me. Come back next week for the aforementioned conclusion to the trilogy the robert langdon and a mystery changing female co-star in inferno and then two weeks that's the big one the circle and then once we're past that a bunch of good movies to go but we're winding down on hanks of the memory so just check out all 52 episodes of the show so far all 1700 something shows on the network none clint eastwood until today but go to cageclub.me slash shows and just poke around i'm joey lewandowski and i'm mike manzi and now it's jeremy kelly and we'll see you next time right here on hanks for the memory Can we get serious now?